This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to the episode of 6 Minute Monday where I give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on the football field. And, and, I'm going to give you a recap of what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. Tip number one, it's an exercise tip. It's one that I've mentioned before, but one that I'm absolutely certain that people have ignored. I think you have to tell uh, grown people about 20 times before they really absorb anything you're about to say, so here it is. If you're going to be writing your own training program, it is best to try not to incorporate these three types of training phases all at the same exact time. You do not want to try to incorporate eccentric movements, concentric movements, and isometric movements all at the same exact time. It's something that I used to do in my training program. I did a little more research. I looked up something called triphasic training by Cal Dietz. And what he's saying is it's much better for your body to take, say, a two-week chunk and dedicate that to eccentric type training. Then another two-week chunk and dedicate that to isometric type training. And then another two-week chunk and dedicate that to concentric type training. And what he saw with the tools that he had was that when he wrote periodization plans for his athletes, only like I think 10 or 20% of them actually were on a program of periodization that matched what their physical needs were. And he created a tool that would actually tell you what type of periodization you needed. Maybe you needed eccentric training, maybe you needed isometric training, maybe you needed concentric training. And what he did was he based it on the differences in speed between your 10 and 20-yard dash. So he made this tool, you plug in your 10-yard dash time, you plug in your 20-yard dash time, and then uh, it spits out for you exactly what phase of that triphasic training you're supposed to be in. Again, it's eccentric, isometric, or concentric. Now me, I did not take the delta between my 10 and 20-yard dash because... uh. I'm currently nursing back this hamstring injury, which, by the way, I kind of feel is like 99% gone, but I know the biggest predictor of a hamstring injury is a previous hamstring injury, so I'm trying to not rush back into it. So what I decided to do, and if you guys know my training program, it is heavily focused on concentric movements only. I'm trying to get as strong as possible so I can be as strong as possible to run as fast as possible, but also be, I'd say, a quote-unquote as lean as possible because I want to have the greatest mass-specific force. Anyway... So while I am nursing this hamstring injury, one thing I decided to do is to go back to two weeks of eccentric training. So that is what I am on right now. Now, I believe the short-term impact of this is that I'm going to get slower. I believe from the studies I've done with Caldeets, you are temporarily going to get slower during the eccentric phase of your triphasic training program. So I'm going to go two weeks eccentric, two weeks isometric, two weeks, and then I'm going to go back into my concentric training. But I think I'm going to get temporarily get slower for these two weeks, maybe for the next four weeks. 
but that's supposed to build a better foundation for what's going to happen next. So that's what I'm doing now. I'd highly recommend you do the same. I would not have a three-week training block where, you know, two of your lifts are focused on eccentric movements, two of your lifts are focused on concentric movements. I would not do that. I would put it into blocks where you focus on one thing at a time. I also heard, and I can't remember if it's Caldeets or not, that eccentric training and concentric training have different impacts on your heart. So I heard that eccentric training actually stretches the wall of the heart, whereas concentric training thickens the wall of the heart. So I guess my point is, I don't even know if that's 100% accurate. This is what I heard. I could be wrong. Do your research. But my point is, is that you shouldn't only do one thing all the time anyway. So even if you are focused on the same training program I am, which is Underground Secrets for Faster Running, even with that, most of that is predominantly focused on concentric training. Well, I don't want to do that all the time because I don't want to lose out on the benefits of eccentric training. So that's why there has a time and a place for each of the phases. Okay, that was three and a half minutes of this six-minute Monday. We're going to go to tip number two. Tip number two, something I am experimenting with. Uh, it's CBD oil. So I had experimented with it, experimented with it once before. I didn't do it consistently, but now I'm back, back on the horse. I'm experimenting with it once again. So as you guys have probably known, I've been working with Dr. Rob Milianico on the nerve issues that I've been having with my calf and my leg. And uh, what I'm doing now is I'm putting on this CBD oil before bed. Now, I'm talking with Dr. Rob because there's two things going on in my head. One, I know that things like oil, they're just kind of taking care of the, the symptom of the problem. So this is not the the full resolution. I know I need to keep doing my DNS movements. I need to change my posture when I'm sitting so that I don't keep hurting myself. So that's one thing. The second thing that I'm talking to him about, and he will be on a podcast very soon, in about two weeks, is, is this putting me at risk? So for example, is that pain in my calf my body's way of protecting myself and stopping me from getting in positions that I should not be in? And maybe by putting this CBD oil in before I go to bed, that pain is going away, but it's leaving me susceptible to other injuries. I don't know. It was hard for him to assess over a text message. But anyway, again, it, it really, to be honest, it's working. My right leg has felt, it feels great. I've even put it on the hamstring that I had that was tweaked, and that feels great. And I'm thinking part of it, too, is that it's helping me relax while I'm going to bed. Maybe it's just in my head, but as you guys know, if you listen to the podcast, my injuries come mostly when I'm sleeping or when I'm doing data analytics, which is quite pathetic for a guy who considers himself at least a, a washed-up athlete. So that's what I'm experimenting with right now. More to come. Okay, tip number three, something that I am watching or reading that's moved me. It is actually a class from an offense in Oklahoma. It is an offense from a school called Bixby. Now, Bixby... They are the Oklahoma State champions. I don't know how many times in the last 10 years. But uh, they. I had heard about Bixby because we put in a new defense last year called Eat the Captains. And this, this defense was absolutely, completely, and totally sick. Anyway, the team that they struggled with was this team Bixby. I'm like, how good is this team Bixby? So this company called Throw Deep Publishing, if you're a football coach, they're constantly putting stuff out, best practices, and they say, hey, this is access. We're giving out a class now that is access to Bixby. It's like... Bixby 101. So I, I took the class, uh, I don't know, every day for the last week and a half. I spent about an hour, hour and a half really breaking down what's going on with this online class. And my word, it is absolutely awesome. And to be a defensive coordinator going against these guys is absolutely awful. Now, if you don't care about football, the thing that I'll say, the beauty of what they do is, is that they make it seem extremely complicated to their opponent. But to them internally, it's really, really simple. And I think that can, that's transfers to anything, to any sport, to any battle, any competition. 
You can't make it so confusing to yourself that you can't move, right? You're stuck. You're, I think they call it paralysis by analysis. Your, your feet are stuck in mud, right? Confused minds make slow legs. That's what, that's what Mike Leach used to say. So that's the point of this offense. They go fast, and they constantly change formations. They shift. They might run, I don't know. I think the guy said they run 10 different plays. But everything else is just smoke and mirrors. That's 10 different plays from the state champions in the state of Oklahoma. I think they're dropping 50 a game. The other thing that I liked is that the guy said this was an evolutionary process. So he took you from, I think it was like, a, I'd say, 8 to 10 years. They didn't throw all this stuff in on day one. They got really good at one thing, then they added another thing in. They added another thing in. Then they added another thing in, right? Like, they very, little by little, they added those things in. They didn't come out of the gate being completely this completely and totally crazy team that other people saw. So, other thing that people should be noting, I've been coaching football, I don't know, over 20 years now, and I'm still a student. I know that I know next to nothing. So, if I'm going to be looking at other teams and studying their film and taking these online classes, a newbie coach should be doing the exact same thing. And I'm sure when I'm 60, I'll be doing the exact same thing because this quest for knowledge never ends. Okay, which leads me to tip number four, a quote that I've been thinking about. Again, I've said this before. I'll say it again, and yeah, you say, Coach, you're recycling stuff. Look, people need to hear things over and over and over again, and this is a quote that's sticking in my head right now. If information was the key, we would all have six-packs and be billionaires. I'll say that one again. If information was the key, we'd all have six-packs and be billionaires. So the truth of the matter is, and maybe it takes a little bit back toward Bixby, but maybe it takes a little bit back toward anything else. It doesn't matter how much you know. Knowing stuff is part of the, the issue. But the other part is being able to execute it. So that Bixby offense, those players, they need to know the playbook, but they also need to be able to execute it. And if maybe these crazy shifts and formations and all the things they do, it's all meaningless if they can't execute anything that they do. So again, it's to me, it's about being able to execute. This can be the same thing with a strategy of business, right? You might reorganize your company. You might put people in different spots. You might uh, do data analytics and say, look, the real issue is we can't find the problems. Okay, we found the problems. Now what, right? Now the data is telling us what the problem is. How can we execute? How can we practice? How can we rep this out so that we execute? In fact, there is a book on my shelf. It is not, you know, I got my tiers of how awesome books are. I'm looking at my shelf right now. I think it's on the third tier. It's called Execution. It's a good book. Granted, all the books on my shelf are awesome. But it's a book really that just talks about the difference between good and great is the ability to execute. Okay, tip number five. Tip number five, it's a productivity tip. <laughs> Hell, execution could be the productivity in and of a tip in and of itself. But a productivity tip for the guys in our group who just recently bought homes or are about to buy homes, there's a book out. It's a little old, but it's absolutely worth buying. It's How Your House Works. I'll say it again. It's How Your House Works. And what it is is that the guy who wrote it, he essentially goes through all of the aspects of your house and teaches you what they do. Now look, I'm not telling you that you need to be a master mechanic or a craftsman, but if you know how your house works, you got a fighting chance of keeping that thing together. And maybe, maybe you still have to call a plumber or an electrician or a carpenter to come to your house. But at least if you know how it works, you got a fighting chance of not breaking that stuff early, or if there's an emergency, calming it down, putting it to a stable state, and give yourself some time to get that electrician, that carpenter, whomever over. Again, it's how your house works. I bought, I bought that book when I first bought our house. Uh, I spent 27 years on a truck with my dad in a heating and air conditioning companies, and I, 
I knew some stuff. I don't know anything. I knew heating and air conditioning, but I don't know everything. So I bought that book to help even give, give me insight. Again, if I'm a guy who worked on a heating and air conditioning truck with my dad since I was 10, and I had to buy the book, then why would you, a person who possibly never did that with your family or whomever or a company, not feel like you need the same thing? Again, it's how your house works. Okay, tip number six, the craziest thing I saw all week. It goes into our tag team challenge, and I'm going to tell you now, but I'm not going to tell you who won. I'm going to tell you what happened. So Tom Galley, he was doing a leg of the challenge. He was doing sliders. He lost a slider. I thought he was done. I was like, this is it. It's over, Johnny, because he was going to need that slider again at some point. Well, as he was doing his slider, without any slowdown whatsoever, the slider went from his foot to his hand, and he finished the slider with one slider on his foot and one slider on his hand. That's the craziest thing I saw all week. And only only Tom Galley can do something like that, this slippery galley. Okay, and here we go. It's going to take you to now to the tag team challenge that happened this weekend. So let me start it off with this was a typical, what I would call, soft Sunday at advanced training. I think we have 18, 19 guys currently active in the program right now. We changed the training date from Saturday to Sunday because the rain was supposed to be very bad on Saturday morning. And it was. And the rain was supposed to be non-existent on Sunday morning. And it was. Now, I'm emphasizing this because most of the time I make the wrong decision and the advanced training gods do the exact opposite of what the weather's going to say and then everybody thinks I'm an idiot. But this time it actually worked. And no one said, hey, great job, coach. But when I make a mistake, they say you're the worst, which is typically uh, what will happen to anyone in a leadership position. So, I'm ready for it. Anyway, we changed the program from Saturday to Sunday. I think I did it. I made the announcement on Thursday so that guys would have enough time to get their lives in order. I understand there's grown men. They got families. They got you know businesses, whatever. So, we tried to give people enough time to change their lives around. But uh, this Sunday, we only had seven guys show up. Seven guys show up out of 19. So, 12 other guys had something to do. And I get it. The schedule's put out months in advance. Trust me, I get it. It's just we had a, a, I don't know, a rash of guys cancel later last night, which sometimes in my mind is somebody's in the middle of doing something or somebody else is about to make them do something, and then training goes to the, uh, the back burner. So anyway, we only got seven guys there. And it turns out that four of them are from the Flayed Man and three of them are from Bear Island. So it's a relatively good matchup. Now, before this was going to happen, I had put together a competition, a tag team competition, that would have a nine-legged event because I, I was trying to put it in a way, I was trying to make it where if the more guys you had, the more benefit you would have to win this event, especially with all the chatter going on with Bear Island saying I'm screwing them over. Anyway, well, we only have seven guys, and I'm driving down, and I'm like, you know what? i got to change the challenge. I have to change this because they're not going to be able to finish this nine-legged event with only three people or four people. There's going to be guys sick. You know, This is not worth me getting somebody sick over because my number one priority is my entertainment. My number two priority is these guys' health. And my number three priority is a great workout. I'm just kidding about number one. Anyway, so what? here's what the challenge was. The challenge was that a guy was going to start on the sideline of a football field. He was going to sprint from the 30-yard line to the, to the midfield. At midfield, there was going to be another guy standing on sliders. When the sprinter passed him, he would then do a slider to the middle of the field. And the middle of the field is this giant circle. When he crossed through that giant circle, 
another guy would be there with a prowler with 130 pounds on it, and he would run a full lap around that circle with the prowler. When he cleared the end of that circle, there would be a guy, another guy with sliders, waiting exactly where the last guy with sliders left off, and he would slide back to the start point of where the original sliders were. So it was a four-legged event. Now, when I was a, when they go back, it was a four-legged event, and Bear Island only had three guys, which means one of those guys had to do two legs of the event. So the Bear Island team goes. They actually knock out a... And there's only three guys at Bear Island. They have Mulligan, they have Yuski, they have Galley. These guys are... It's like, dude, 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 right? They go, and they knock this thing out in 36 point... I don't know. Six, I think it was 36.6 seconds. It was, it was an unbelievable job. The guys are all good. Great work by Bear Island. Next team up, Flayed Men. Flayed Men have four men. And I stupidly, when I was explaining the drill, I don't know why, I had said it was a three-man event with four events in it. So they were when they tell me who was going to go where, they said Marichko was not going to go. I'm like, well, why not? I said, well, you said we can only have three guys. You're holding us back. So I said, okay, I made a mistake, which I did. So they were actually able to use four guys. That means none of their guys had to do two legs of the event. The four guys they had were Marechko, Cortese, Sardo, Shalasi. Dude, 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 dude. Also, what needs to be known is that Joe Sardo showed up late. Soft point. Rob Mull- sorry, Sean Mulligan showed up late. Soft point. So it was offsetting soft points because Sean Mulligan's on Bear Island. Sardo's on Flayed Man. I said, look, you both had people that were soft. Um, they-, they cancel each other out. All right, cool. Then I said, but, but, Fred Carpentieri, he said he wasn't coming. He did say he was sorry he was not coming, but he said it seven and a half hours before the training session was supposed to start. He said it at 10.30. Our training session started at 6. The advanced training constitution says, it says, you have to tell me within eight hours, or it's a soft point. So Carpentieri gets a soft point. And what I said was, I'm going to tack on a one-second penalty to the Flayed Man for Carpentieri's softness. Now, what makes this uh, a little more interesting, that Fred Carpentieri bailed out with seven and a half hours before the training session, it's not long before this. Joe Derradita, the man, the guy who won the K in the Freak Awards last year for Keeper, he bails out last night. And then when we say, like, kind of call out Bear Island for all the guys bailing out, he sends a snapshot of the schedule, puts a screenshot of the schedule in the group chat, and I have no idea why he sent it. Now, it's because I didn't update the schedule when I moved it from Saturday to Sunday, but it was, we've been talking about the change a lot over the last two days. It wasn't like anybody was in the dark over what happened. So Carpentieri, in a weird way, maybe wasn't calling him out, but he was calling him out. He said, Coach, I think this guy's looking for a loophole. So he's he's calling out Derrida, and then as the advanced training gods would have it, <laughs> he himself gets a soft point when he was calling out Derrida. So anyway, the Flayed Man, they're going into this with a one-second penalty. And remember, Bear Island killed it. They got in 36.6 seconds. All right, so the Flayed Man goes. Cortese, I believe he's a sprinter. He shot out of a cannon. Bang! And now remember, these guys only have to go one at a time. No one has to go two legs of the event, and they absolutely and totally kill it. They get it in 34.2 seconds. Remember, I had the one-second penalty on. It's 35.2, but it doesn't matter because Bear Island gets 36.6. So if I'm looking at the data here, I'm looking at one, two. 
Uh, maybe not. I shouldn't be looking at the data. <laughs> I was going to say this is a, a lot of wins in a row for the Flayed Man, but it's just their second win in a row because Bear Island won a couple weeks ago. Anyway, so now Bear Island gets the loss. There are three people on the losing team. If you remember the deal, I'll say it again. Winning team, every member gets three points. The losing team, no one gets a point, and then people have to go head-to-head in elimination. Now, for Bear Island, the three people on the team were Galley, Mulligan, and Yuski. Yuski cannot go in the head-to-head competition because he has been eliminated. He has a 6-2 and two record. He's eliminated. So all they have left is Tom Galley, who's 9-0, and and Sean Mulligan, who's 3-0. and And I gotta just check my stats for one second because I gotta make sure I'm not gonna say anything wrong and get back-checked and, Coach, you don't know what the hell you're talking about on the podcast. I, I'm right. So before they were about to go head-to-head, I said, I don't think either of these two guys has lost in the last two years. And I was right. I'm looking at the data now. Last year, Mulligan, he didn't show up all that much, but he never lost when he came. Galley went 12-0. and So last year, they were both undefeated. This year, they're both undefeated. So Mulligan's coming in 3-0. and Galley's coming in 9-0. and And I'm like, this is going to be freaking awesome. So here is the tag team event. Sorry, here's the head-to-head event. You do the whole thing I just said by yourself. Right? So before, it was three or four guys doing it. Now you're doing the whole thing by yourself. So they pick... Ga- so, so you remember, Yusuke can't go. We're going Galley against Mulligan. Two dudes. Undefeated. I am pumped up. By the way, Mulligan is fresh off of a Disney World trip. I think he got back yesterday. I don't know if you guys have been to Disney World with your kids. I, I don't have kids, but I remember going with my parents. I was exhausted. I, I just got back from Disney World. I shouldn't say just got back. I went there in December with my parents. I was exhausted. I don't have kids. This guy is uh, carting his kids around Disney World. The fact that he came uh, and performed the way he did during the workout was excellent. His softness was not because he didn't know what was going on. He thought the workout was 6.30. He misread my text while he was in Disney World with his kids. Anyway, let's get back to it. We have two dudes going against each other. So Galley goes first. He sprints Shot out of a cannon, gets up, goes on the slider, bang, he loses the slider. Yeah, foreshadowing to what I said at the beginning of the craziest thing I saw a week. He loses the slider. And why is this important? Because when Galley goes from sprinter to slider, once he finishes the slider, he goes all the way around that circle with the prowler, and then he has to slider back. But if he loses that slider on that first leg, now he's got to go back with one leg too. So you're screwed. If you lose that slider on that first leg, you're screwed because on the way back, you have no other slider. And he actually said to me before he went, and it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the Bill Buckner curse. Before he went, he said, Coach, if, uh, if I lose a slider, is someone going to pick it up for me? I said, no. Like, it's all you, man. There's no one picking it up for you and resetting it. You got to do it yourself. So he said it. If you don't know what the Bill Buckner curse is, Bill Buckner said, I don't want to be the guy that lets the ground ball go, go between his legs and lose the World Series. So sometimes if you say something bad, it's just going to happen. So Galley said it, he loses the slider, but in typical Tom Galley fashion, the slider ends up underneath his hand. And as I said before, he seamlessly finished that first leg of the slider. He then picks up the prowler, and he kills it because he's Tom Galley, but for at least four seconds, at least four seconds, different times, he brought the prowler inside of that circle. So my rule of thumb is for every second that you have that prowler, Inside of that circle, I am adding on one point of penalties. And it was like, one, once he went in and came out. Another time he went in and came out. Another time he went in and came out. So it was a total of four seconds onto his complete time. So he killed it, but I had to add four seconds onto his time. So he finished it in like 50, 51 seconds. I think it was like 50.8. 
So I had to give him 54.8 because he went inside too many times when he was pushing the Prowler. So now Galley is done. Mulligan is up. This guy also, something to note, the first round, I believe Galley, when he went with his team, he just had to do the slider. Mulligan had to do that full circle. And this circle's big. Uh, I can't remember the circumference. I think, I think the diameter of that circle is 25 yards. So let's just say that's like a 75-yard a prowler push. I could be completely and totally wrong. i got to measure this thing again. Let's say it's between... Let's say it's anywhere between 50 yards and 75 yards. So Mulligan had already done that after the workout and as part of the challenge. So Mulligan's got to go, and now he's got to do that plus the remainder of every single leg of the challenge. So Mulligan goes, and look, he's, he's Mulligan, right? He gets up, he sprints. He's probably not as fast as Galley, but he's fast. He, he's fast, and something's telling me he's probably a little tired from his trip, but he probably also knows, I just don't need to screw this up. <laughs> like, I, all I need to do is not lose a slider and not get that prowler inside the circle, and I give myself a W. And that he did. He got himself a 53.3. So he, for the first time since Pete Amorosi beat Tom Galley in the middle of the 2021 season, he hands Tom Galley his first loss. That's right. So Galley went 21, I don't know. In the last two years, I won't even include the 2021, he went 21 times in a row without having lost an event. He loses to Sean Mulligan. Now, some may argue, Galley beat himself, right? Galley beat himself. He lost the slider. That absolutely took time. And he went four times inside the circle. That absolutely took time. If Galley has a clean run, he wins. But, I'll give two buts. One, there is a possibility that Sean Mulligan throttled down a bit because he knew that he, well, he just had to not screw it up. And two, who knows if Galley was slowing down and cleaned up his act, if he would have went that fast to begin with. You know, sometimes you're going as fast as you can at a slider, and you, you blow a tire, right? Because you're going too fast. So there's so many variables here. The bottom line is it goes back to execution. And Tom Galley gets his first loss. The man is still absolutely and totally a dude. Um, totally a dude. The fact that he lost that slide and put it back under his arm is quite remarkable. So, training's over. Yuski takes the slider like a gentleman, sorry, the, the prowl like a gentleman, pushes it clear across the 50-yard line back to the other side of the field. The soccer guys are starting to set up. In fact, before this even started, on the other field, the soccer guys start to set up, and I'm telling these guys they need to speed up because the, you know my fear. The soccer guys are coming. That's even why we made today's session at 6 o'clock in the morning because Sunday morning is a big morning for soccer. It's like, you know, at 8 o'clock, there could be 200 people on that field. I've been there before. I've had to run, like, in a small square area of the field because there's too much soccer going on. Anyway, when Yuski gets that prowler to the other side of the field, Marechko declares to me that he wants to use his money in the bank belt. But he doesn't want to use it for himself. He wants to use it for Joe Shalasi. And he wants Joe Shalasi, who's part of the Flayed Men, to go against Galley again in the same exact drill that he just did. And, uh... I I had to shut down his offer. People thought I shut it down to favor Galley, or I was worried about Galley's health. Well, possibly. You know, the rules with this money in the bank belt are you can do anything you want, whenever you want, however you want, as long as it doesn't put somebody else in danger, and as long as I think it's fair. But in this instance, I'm, I'm only going to give you 50% of the reason why I said no. 50% of the reason I said no was because the soccer guys were coming. We've had too many issues on and off the field with soccer people about the field, especially with using toys on the field. 
So, and Yuski already had the prowler all the way back at the other end of the field. We have to reset up the drill, have two more guys go. I did not want to do it. So that was, like, part of the reason. The other reason, I will reveal later on in the season. Maybe after the season's over. But I have a very legitimate reason why I did not want to pull the trigger on this. So, I shut it down. We stretched. Guys went through their war stories of how in the past I've screwed them over and I would have made them go. And I love Galley more than anybody else. And, you know, every, every other story, and I'm just unfair, which is cool. Again, it... Heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Everybody's a critic, but that is the, the beauty of uh, of <laughs> of advanced training. I don't know why I'm thinking about this. I saw a quote of the uh, it was like a review of what's the show? Uh, Yellow Jackets. It's a review of the show Yellow Jackets. This is completely has nothing to do with what's going on, but everything to do with what's going on. The show Yellow Jackets is about a plane crash with this high school soccer team. They land in the middle of nowhere. And I won't ruin anything for you, but the thought is is that these young high school girls, the only way they survive is by eating each other. Now, I haven't, I've only seen one season of it, so I don't even know the complete total story yet. So I don't know what happened. But I'm saying that that's the story that the, the people think when these girls live. They live, and they think, how'd you, how'd you live? Well, we ate each other. It's a weird show. It's about survival. It's about drama. It's about who knows, right? Go watch the show. It's pretty sick. But anyway, a review of the show was beautifully deranged. And when I think about how people might categorize what they think is going on in our challenges, it might be beautifully deranged. So this was my thought when I rejected the money in the bank. Again, only 50% of it was because those soccer guys were there. If Marechko would have pulled that trigger immediately, I would have said yes. But when he didn't, that nudge, those soccer guys getting the field ready, that is when I was like, nah, nope, I won't do it. Yuski was funny. He's like, the workout's over. Am I going to show up at Coach Mahoney's house and say, uh, I have money in the bank belt. I want to do it. I want to challenge this person. Like, <laughs> His point was, Joe, the workout is done. You can't wait this long. So I, I kind of agree. Again, if Marechko had said it right away, like instantly, I would have done it. Now, Galley had also said, I, I wouldn't have done it. He's saying that he would have just taken the forfeit, which, whatever. I don't think he would have. If he did, he did, and that's part of the money in the bank issue. But having said that, again, I will reveal my other reason later on in the season. Which leads us to where we stand with the standings. So right now, we have three guys tied for first place. Fred Carpentieri, Tom Galley, Joe Shalasi. I'll say that again. Fred Carpentieri, Tom Galley, Joe Shalasi. All three of them have 28 points. They have officially clinched the playoffs. And right now, we have four weeks left of the season. Four weeks left of the season... There are points up for grab, and just letting the world know that Joe Maggio, not Joe DiMaggio, Joe Maggio, if he does not win out, the second he loses or the second he does not get a win at the next at the next training session, at the next training session, if he does not get a win and keep winning, he is officially eliminated. He will be the first person whose watch has ended. All right, people, that is it for this week. I am excited to see what happens next week. I got something cool up my sleeve. Uh, more to come. All right, talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be in our coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. 
You've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights that are about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep, I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's WMA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today.